Well, hello, and how are you? It's good to be back, my friend. I hope you're doing well. Once again, I've got uh, five songs, five stories, five artists, five compositions by five jazz greats for you today. And I'm going to mix it up a little bit, not too terribly. We're going to stick mostly with hard bop, with a couple of different styles. I'm going to reach back into the vaults to start it all off. This is Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 78. We want to reach back into 1954 from the Clifford Brown and Max Roach Quintet. It's the name of the record and the name of the band. This is Joy Spring. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do.
Joy Spring, a Clifford Brown composition from the album Clifford Brown and Max Roach. Of course, that record, recorded in 1954, oh, one of his all-time classics, it uh, was recorded in two sessions. There's two different versions for it. What you heard was the original take. In one session, they sat down, did it in one take, decided to record another version of it, which was released on the compact disc uh, release of the album the great drummer Max Roach on that record. Now, Max Roach and Clifford had worked together a few times, and that particular composition, Joy Spring, uh, Clifford Brown had so named it after his wife, it was his pet name for her. Don't know what that came about from, but yeah. It became his signature song, the composition he was known for long after his passing, his tragic passing in 1956, in a car accident. He passed away along with uh, Richie Powell, which uh, your pal's wife Nancy was driving at the time, and they were in uh, driving at night in the rain uh, on the way on the uh, Pennsylvania Turnf- uh, Turnpike west of uh, Bedford, Pennsylvania. It's presumed she lost control of the car, went off the road, and killed all three in the crash. Tragic death to a young man who was showing so much promise. As I said, that uh, composition became his signature. And it uh, has long outlived him, sadly, in a weird way. It is his piece of immortality, if you will. And of course, um, Max Roach, uh, the all-time great drummer, passed away in nineteen, or sorry, two thousand and seven, at uh, the age of eighty-three. He enjoyed a very long career, and you can you can hear his spectacular drumming on that composition. Man was uh, he was a legend. He was a legend as a very young man in his early 30s and well beyond. And, of course, he did work with absolutely everyone. Dinah Washington, Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, Miles Davis, Duke Ellington, Tholenius Monk, Stan Getz, Charles Mingus, Coleman Hawkins. You get the idea. Max Roach was the uh, the drummer that played for everybody at one point in time through the hard bop years. He won't be forgotten, nor will Clifford Brown, two absolute giants of their genre. Okay, I'm going to move it along now and play a song by the um, the great Horace Silver, the late great Horace Silver, that is, as he passed away in uh, 2014 at the age of 85. This is taken from the um, album Horace Silver and the Jazz Messengers. Uh, on the Blue Note label, it was uh, recorded uh, December 13th, 1954, and February 6th, 1955, at the Van Gelder Studios in Hackensack, New Jersey. Now, it was released in October of 1956. It's a repackaging of 1955 10-inch LPs. 10-inch was a thing back then. And I remember, the formats were changing pretty rapidly in those days, much more so than we experienced with Albums, eight tracks, cassettes, CDs, mini discs, and dat. CDs, cassettes, and albums were the primary source of music for decades. Eight tracks had a very short lifespan. Cassettes, for some reason, and the reason is unbeknownst to me, are making a comeback. Why, I don't know. I used them because they were a portable music format what was available to us at the time. 
But now we have so many vastly superior formats, I don't know why anyone would want to make a, an actual mixtape on tape. But then again, there's a lot in this world I simply do not understand. And I'm not going to sit here and think about it. I'm just going to play the music. So sit back, relax, and let the jazz flow over you. This is Horace Silver and the Jazz Messengers with the remastered version of Creepin' In. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Silver and the Jazz Messengers, originally released on the album The Horace Silver Quintet Volume 3, which was a 10-inch long play. As I said, the record itself was the first 12-inch release by Horace Silver on the Blue Note label in 1956. Now, it was cobbled together with the compositions from uh, Horace Silver Quintet Volume 3 and Horace Silver Quintet Volume 4. All compositions on the record, with the exception of one, uh, Hankerin', which was written by Hank Mobley, everything was written by Horace Silver. He was quite the individual, both a um, composer, arranger, and a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You could say a professor of jazz. I don't know if that he, he was ever assigned that title of, of professor, but he certainly did teach a lot. And uh, he delved into hard bop, soul jazz, jazz fusion, mainstream jazz, and just straight ahead jazz. That was sort of a bluesy hard bop version. And uh, I quite like it. Now, Horace Silver was, he originally hailed from um, Norwalk, Connecticut, where he studied piano in school. He got his big break on piano when his trio was recruited by uh, Stan Getz in 1950. He soon moved to New York City, where he developed a reputation as a composer for his bluesy playing. And uh, he did play with a lot of uh, artists over the years. Uh, for recordings, my goodness, um something hundreds of recordings um the horace silver discography 36 studio albums three live albums and seven compilation albums as a band leader as a sideman my goodness i couldn't begin to count how many there are there's simply too many because he recorded with literally a who's who of jazz at the time and then the number of singles he had from 1952 to 1976 is somewhere in the neighborhood of around 50, perhaps even 60. As a sideman, probably a hundred and some recordings. So the man was well accomplished, well versed, and very well played. The late great Horace Silver. Moving along, I'm going to stick with... Um, Similar style, this is the Rudy Van Gelder remastered edition from the album Undercurrent by Kenny Drew. The name of this composition is Funkosity. Funkosity. Check this out. <laughs> Thank you. 
Precocity The late great Kenny Drew Now that record was recorded in 1960 uh, released by the Blue Note label in 1961 and it was his last record for the uh, label be uh, recorded in the US before he moved to uh, Copenhagen, Denmark in 1961 Now Kenny Drew uh, passed away in uh, 1993 at the age of 64 Now he had stomach cancer at the time, but it's un- unclear whether if that was the cause of his death or not. I guess we'll never know, because there's no real information available about it. He died in uh, Copenhagen. He uh, fell in love with uh, the jazz scene in Denmark and decided that's where he wanted to be. He was well known on the, uh, on the uh, Copenhagen jazz scene for many, many years up until his death. He was only 64, which is really young, considering that's only 10 years older than I am right now. So I think I'd like to have a little bit more than 10 years, My, to be honest with you. His touch was described by the Biographical Encyclopedia of Jazz as precise, and his playing being as a combination of bebop-influenced melodic improvisation and block chords including refreshingly, refreshingly subtle harmonizations. Well, that's a bit of a mouthful if you ask me, but I think it does sum up uh, the crux of who he was as a player. Albums? Oh, he's got at least about a hundred albums as both a band leader and a, uh, a sideman. Jazz pianist extraordinaire, the late great ten- Kenny Drew Jr. was his... Uh, sorry, Kenny Drew... And his son, Kenny Drew Jr., is also a jazz pianist. He passed away in 2014 at the age of 56. He seemed to die rather young. He cited uh, Thelonious Monk as his uh, main influence. I don't know what his cause of death was. Not able to find it out. And you know what? Some things are better left for mystery. I don't want to be too melancholy here, but, you know, a lot of the great jazz masters that I do play on this show have long since gone. It's just how it is. I do try and feature a number of new artists from time to time. I've featured a lot of Scandinavian artists as of late, but I think I'm going to take a swing by um, the uh, the New Age jazz. Stick with the hard pop style, of course, but with some of the newer artists over the next couple of shows. But we'll see. It all depends on where my mood takes me when I put the list together. Up next, the 1997 remastered uh, version of Blues for Brenda from the album Going Up. This is Freddie Hubbard. Thank you. 
Freddie Hubbard. Accompanied by Hank Mobley on the tenor sax, McCoy Tyner on the piano, Paul Chambers on the bass, and Philly Joe Jones on the drums. From the album, Going Up. Recorded uh, November 6, 1960 at the Van Gelder Studio in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. One of the all-time great records. Um, and you got to admire the uh, the efforts put forth by that group of outstanding musicians. That song really swings, man. It really swings. Uh, Freddie Hubbard, um, he passed away in 2008 at the age of 70. Originally from Indianapolis, Indiana, he died at the age of 70 years old in Sherman Oaks, California. Now he specialized in hard bop, post bop, neo bop, jazz fusion, straight ahead jazz. But he wasn't just a trumpet player. He also played the flugelhorn, flugelhorn, the cornet, the French horn, French horn, and the mellophone. I'm having trouble with my tongue this evening, tripping over my words. He was active right up until he died. Uh, total uh, 50, uh, 50 year career. Outstanding career. Started at the age of 20 and played right up to the very, very end. Now as a leader, a co-leader, easily 150 records. Sideman, same thing. Just a very busy individual who recorded with the absolute who's who of the jazz world. Now he appeared in four films. 1981's Studio Live, 1985's One Night with Blue Note, 2004, Live at the Village Vanguard, 2005, All Blues, and 2009, Freddie Hubbard, One of a Kind. Outstanding musician. His uh, unmistakable tone influenced kind of a who's who of, of jazz trumpet players for decades. He, uh, he started playing uh, the mellophone and, and, and the trumpet in his high school band at Arsenal Technical High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. And he moved into a full-time trumpet playing. Of course, he play, as I said, he did play the cornet, the French horn, and the flugelhorn as well, but he is best known as a trumpeter. And, uh, wow, could that man play? The late, great Freddie Hubbard. Okay. One more composition for you today. And uh, this also is a Rudy Van Gelder uh, remastered edition in 24-bit. I think it's a 24-bit. Is it 24-bit? Hang on a second. 24-bit mastering. Digital remaster in 2004. From the album uh, Doing All Right. This is Dexter Gordon with Society Red.
the all-time classic, Society Red, the Rudy Van Gelder 24-bit mastered digital remaster from the year 2004, from the album Doing All Right, originally recorded May 6, 1961, and released August of 1961. Now the players on that record, Dexter Gordon, tenor sax, of course, Freddie Hubbard on the trumpet, 
Horace Parlon on the piano, George Tucker on the bass, and Al Harewood on the drums. Title of this Blue Note set, Doing All Right, fit perfectly at the time for tenor saxophonist Dexter Gordon. He was making the first of his three successful comebacks because he was largely neglected during the 1950s. His Blue Note recordings of this which this was ooh, this was his first really tripping over my tongue here this evening uh, led to his rediscovery as an artist. Now the man himself, uh, who did he record with? Well, pick someone because he pretty much played, recorded and toured with them, or wrote with them as well. He did spend a number of years uh, in Europe, uh, primarily in in Paris and Copenhagen. He spent about 14 years there. He came back to the U.S. in 1976 and uh, lived in New York City for a time. He died of kidney failure and smoking-related cancer of the, the larynx in 1990 at the age of 67. So let that be a lesson to you. Smoking is not a healthy thing to do. Neither is drinking, and I like alcohol, but, you know, whatever doesn't kill you, uh, I don't know, doesn't kill you? <laughs> the late, great Dexter Gordon from the album Doing All Right. Now, Dexter, he recorded and played and toured with uh, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, McCoy Tyner, Horace Parlon, Kenny Drew, Freddie Hubbard, Ben Webster. You kind of get it. A literal who's who of the jazz world. And today's show was featuring largely from 1955 to 1961, a five-year period, six-year period, basically, with some outstanding writing and outstanding recording by some amazing, yet late, jazz masters. Okay, that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope I haven't talked your ear off. I'll try and give you a little bit of information. And once again, I will try and get back as soon as I can. Hope to have a new show for you in about seven days' time. Until we meet again, my friends. Please, wherever you are in this world, I hope you are happy, healthy, and taking care of those around you. Remember, we only get one kick at the can. So make it a good one. Till we meet again. Take care. Bye.